So I'm going to pull us back together here. Good to see you all here this morning on this Super Sunday. I felt like it was warm enough in here actually to wear short sleeves, so I feel like maybe I'm taking a risk, but um, thankful for that. Um, well, things are a little bit different here this morning uh, from a pe- preaching perspective. So um, our normal rhythm is, though we just finished up a topical series, our normal rhythm is to preach through books of the Bible. And so we're kind of in a little hiatus here. Uh, in the month of February, we're going to kind of be doing some housekeeping sermons. Uh, so we're going to be doing that uh, starting today. Uh, so kind of mid-series or in-between series. And then in the beginning of March, uh, we're going to start a series walking quite slowly through the Old Testament book of Jonah. And so I'm excited for that. I uh, think it, it'll be really good for us as a community. Um, but we'll start that in March. But for today, uh, we are a three-year-old church. And so that means that there are parts of us as a church that are undeveloped or maybe underdeveloped. And so there will be times when we need to kind of like hone in on certain parts of church life and uh, try to grow ourselves up uh, into maturity a little bit. And And so I feel like we're in a little bit of a season of that here at Center Church. Most of this has been happening behind the scenes, but since our inception, we haven't had a function of church membership here at Center Church. But we're now in the process of implementing membership here, and so like I said, a lot of this is going on behind the scenes, but now it becomes much more public with preaching a sermon on it today. And so what I want to do today is I just want to pose a couple questions uh, that I've gotten from some of you and, and I've heard from people throughout the years, and then we'll, we'll try and answer those questions pertaining to church membership. So uh, as we get going here, just a quick comment on context for us in this culture. Um, we are, as a people, um, kind of commitment-phobes, right? Like we have a phobia of commitment. We like to have convenience. We like to be able to have a lot of appealing choices. We like to not be tied down or be, uh, have people demand of our time. Or if we're committed to something, we like to be able to have an easy out at some point, right? Like, ah, I've kind of reached my limit, so now I'm I'm dipping out on this. Um, But the reality is, we all are committed to certain things, right? Like, uh, we're committed to a gym, or we're committed to a football team. Uh, one of us in this congregation is committed to the Patriots, uh, and I think most everyone else is committed to anything against the Patriots, uh, especially today. But the reality is, is we all have things that, that we will commit to, right? And Jesus has some things, the Bible has some things to say about where should church fall in priority of our lives in terms of how we're committed to it. So today as we walk through this sermon, sermon, just one point of clarification, okay? As I'm talking about church today, I am talking about a group of people, okay? So when I talk about church, I'm talking about a group of people. We, we have this tendency at times when we talk about church to think of a building, right? 
And I just want to be really upfront, that's an unhelpful way to think of church. Or, or to even think about church as like an organization, okay, like a nonprofit. Uh, when I'm talking and when we talk about church, we, we want to think of a group of people, okay? So as we get into this and we talk about commitment, you should think not commitment to a building, to arriving to a physical location merely, that that's what commitment looks like, but it's commitment to a people. Okay, so the first question that I want to pose this morning, uh, and this is a question that I have heard uh, quite often, is, is church membership biblical? Is church membership biblical? So I said in the beginning that our normal preaching rhythm is to preach through books of the Bible. And so the reason that we preach through books of the Bible is because we believe that the Bible is authoritative. Okay, so the Bible is God's way of revealing himself to people. So we want to root ourselves in the Bible so that we can see and understa understand how God has revealed himself to us. And so this is a very appropriate question. Is church membership biblical? It, do we find it in the Bible? Is it there? Um, and, and so to be honest, which I know this is church, and so this is kind of the one place where we might find ourselves being the, mis the most dishonest in our lives because we want to put on the plastic smiles and, and pretend that our lives aren't a mess, right? But this is church, and we want to seek to be honest, whether it's here or others. And so if we're honest about this question, there is no explicit teaching about church membership in the Bible. So you can't go to a chapter and verse and say, hey, look at this. This says those words, church membership, and then start implementing it. But I think that there is a ton of argument for church membership in the Bible. Uh, but that argument is implicit. And so what I want to do to answer this question, is church membership biblical, is to come at it and see where we find an implicit argument for it within the New Testament. Okay, so we're going to begin in 1 Corinthians 16, 19. It reads there, The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Prisca, together with the church in their house, send you hearty greetings in the Lord. So, what we read here is that there is a church that meets in the house of Aquila and Prisca. So, this group of people is specific people, okay? It's not, it's not just random people, but there are specific people. Acts 13.1 is another place that we could go, and we could find an even more extensive list of specific people who are tied to a church. So there are people in the community here in Corinth, as Paul's writing this letter to Corinth, there's people who are in that community who make up that church, in the house of Aquila and Prisca, and there are many other people who live in Corinth who are not part of that church. The people who are part of that church that are being referred to here in this verse have communicated in some fashion that they are that church, that they are part of the fabric of that church. And so they're, they're saying in some sense, this church is me. This church is us. I identify with these people. So the important thing to note here is that there is a clearly defined group of people that are being talked about in this verse, okay? Now, we get another practi practical example in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
it's going to kind of point towards this idea of membership. Chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It reads, It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that is not tolerated, even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Now as I read that, you might be like, well, that's a really interesting verse to go to for church membership. But Paul, Paul's going to go on to state uh, in the following verses that this individual that's being talked about here is associated in some capacity with Jesus' church. And for him to continue in sin, to continue to identify with Jesus' church, will bring reproach upon Jesus' name. So the action that Paul recommends is to remove him from their group, from their church. And, and you might say, well, that's a really mean thing to do. And, and oh, like, this is just judgmental Christians, right? Like, this, is, this has been my experience, or I've seen this happen. But what Paul's trying to do here is to demonstrate to this individual where his sin is leading him. His sin is leading him away from Jesus. His sin is leading him to destruction. That, that's where his sin is leading him. And so Paul is saying, remove him from your midst so he can feel, begin to feel what his sin is doing to him. So the point here that I, though, that I want to make from these couple verses is that in order to be removed from something, he must already be part of it. Okay? You can't be removed from something that you're not a part of. So he, he is a part of this group of people. And in some sense, this is implying membership uh, to this church. Okay. Another angle I want to take at this is 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. I don't have these full texts written out on the screen, but these uh, sections of verses provide qualifications for church leaders, okay? So th these are the characteristics that church leaders must possess in, in order to function in that role. And implied in these verses is the reality that leaders must lead somebody, okay? You don't just lead nobody. You're not a leader then. And so there has to be people that lead. And so there have to be people that say, I want to be led by you. I, I need help. And so I need you to lead me, to point me to Jesus. I'm entrusting myself to a church to lead me spiritually and ultimately get me to trust in Jesus more. Furthermore, we read in Hebrews 13, 17, it speaks there of the need for Christians to submit to church leadership. Okay? So this idea of submitting to church leadership, it has a very formal aspect where people are in some sense communicating to church leaders, hey, I'm coming to you and I want to come under your leadership. I'm trusting you in some capacity. I want you to lead me to Jesus. So, so there's some form of formal arrangement that's going on there. And I think a good question then is, who then are those leaders? Who should you submit to? And I think many of us might find ourselves in a spot where we'd like to submit to the guy that we really like to podcast, listen to his podcast, right? Like, because that, that would be an easy person to submit. But over and over, what we find in the New Testament is this emphasis on the local church. 
Okay, and so there's this call to submit to local church leadership. And, and I think another benefit that happens here is for those who are in leadership at a church, it helps to bring clarification to them for who they're responsible for. It talks in that Hebrews 13 verse that, that leaders are going to give an account for those that they are responsible for. And, and so this helps to bring clarification for those that leaders are responsible for leading. All right, another angle I want to look at this with is church discipline. So church discipline is something that's taught in the New Testament. We saw an example of this in 1 Corinthians 5, but when someone has entrusted them themselves to the leadership of somebody, they're saying they're basically giving the right for that church leader to redirect them to speak into their lives to call them out to say hey what i'm seeing here is not good it's not good for you it's not good for those around you it's not good for your marriage it's not good for your children uh, we we need to have a course correction here and so this idea of church discipline as it's taught in the new testament it assumes specific knowledge of who is and who is not a member of a church the, the idea of church membership does not make sense if, or church discipline, the idea of church discipline doesn't make sense if, if there's no church membership. So the idea of membership, it allows someone to say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm committing to you, I'm bringing myself under you, so that then if it gets to the point where discipline is, is needed, I am saying I want you to go down that path. Okay, 1 Timothy 5.9, it says there, let a widow be enrolled, okay? And, th and then it goes on and it says more. But for our purposes, what I want to drive home here with this, just these five words, is that uh, a list of people identifying themselves with a specific church occurs throughout the New Testament. So, so there's these lists of people that they've found themselves part of a local church, and this is one of those examples there is a list of widows in this church, as Paul writes to Timothy. Also, in 2 Corinthians 2.6, we re read there, uh, it's referring to a decision of the majority of the church, okay? So this phrase, the majority, uh, is talking or speaking to this idea that, uh, or it suggests at least, that there was some sort of vote that occurred in this church that, that would then remove this individual that's being talked about. And then also in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul speaks there of the church functioning in an orderly manner. A and so uh, I wanted to give just a number of different examples. So, so all of these are implicit, right? Like none of these are explicit saying church membership is a thing. But, but all of these point to this idea of some sort of function like church membership. And, and there's many other examples that we could look at throughout the New Testament, but the clear teaching of the New Testament is that early Christians identified with a local church, and there was clear instruction that those early Christians were called to submit to the leaders, specific leaders of a specific church uh, where they lived. So, seeing that there's at least some biblical merit for an in implicit argument for church membership. What I want to do now is I want to I answer the question, what is church membership? 
but I don't want to do this just in a real general sense. What I want to do is I want to talk about what is church membership or, wh- or what will be church membership here at Center Church. Before I do that, though, uh, sometimes it's helpful to know what something is not. And so I want to I make just a couple comments about what church membership is not here at Center Church. So in many church settings, uh, what you will find is that there's a membership role or there's a list of members. And in many churches, that list of members is really big. And the, the list of, the, or the, the number of people that will attend that church is much, much smaller. So, so let's say you have 300 people on the membership role and you have 70 people that are attending that church on, on a given Sunday. So this, this can suggest a number of things. But one really dangerous thing that this can suggest is that membership equals salvation. The idea being that people, they've kind of reached the membership of church life. They've jumped through all the hoops that they needed to jump through. They've now become a member, and now I'm tapping out. Okay, I've done that, but now I'm not going to show up uh, on a regular basis at my church because I've kind of completed uh, the requirements for my religious experience. A- and so I think what, what's most healthy in a church setting is when you will have attendance being much greater than those who are actual members in the church. So I think that will indicate a, a much healthier paradigm in a church. So membership, uh, it, it's not just like this high rung on a ladder of accomplishment. It's not something that people just fulfill and then check out of church life. Related to this, uh, some people might assume that membership is kind of the highest grade of being a Christian, so that when they become a Christian or a, a member of a church, that then at that point they kind of are superior to other people who are in the church, or that at some level they now hold some sway of power over other people. And I would say and push hard against that idea. Because someone is a member, it doesn't mean that they are superior. It does not mean that they hold power over others. So, so none of these things are what church membership is about. So what is church membership then? Church membership is a way of saying, this church is my family. This church is my family. This church is my home. These are people that I am committed to. So not not an organization, not a building that I just show up to. These are people that I am committed to. And what these people, what this church values is what I want to value. And I may not always feel like valuing these things, but that's exactly why I want to be part of this community, because I need help. And I trust these people, these leaders, to care for me and, uh, and to help me along this journey of life. So I think a really helpful way to think about this is in terms of a family. The Bible uses these terms repeatedly, so a church should be viewed as family. These are brothers and sisters. And as with being part of a family, uh, what comes with being part of a family is is both privileges and responsibilities, right? Uh, My kids 
uh, they don't like having responsibilities in my house, but uh, they, they've got responsibilities. They have th expectations that are laid upon them. So, so what I want to do is I want to talk through some of the privileges and responsibilities uh, of being a member at, at Center Church. So let's start with responsibilities. First of all, um, one responsibility would be regular participation. So we talk here about being deprogrammed as a church. And we want to be deprogrammed because we want to free you guys up so that you can live on mission, so that you can interact with your neighbors, you can invite people into your homes. Um, we, we don't want you to think in any way that just by attending a bunch of religious events, that then that, that's the equivalent of being a good Christian. Jesus calls us to join him on his mission, and, and yet there are a couple of ways in which we at Center Church, we have said these are really important to us. And the two things that we've said are really important to us for our corporate gathering is Sunday mornings. So what we do here on a Sunday morning, we, we want to call people to be here, to gather together regularly, but, but not just to gather here, but to contribute to what's going on. Okay, so we, because we're a small church, because we're a church plant, we're, we're in this phase where church doesn't happen if you don't show up right? Like, this church is very dependent on us, the people, being the church. And if that doesn't happen, well, there won't be a lot of singing. Uh, there won't be a lot of preaching, right? There won't be a lot of room for kids uh, to go to classes. And so we are very dependent on you. And so this is one of those ways in which we've said we want to corporately gather, and we want this to be one of those ways in which we do this regularly. The other is community groups. And so we, we try to make a big call uh, in the fall, or I, I guess end of summer and fall, to, to call people to be part of community groups. And we continue to remind this, lay this before you throughout the year as well. But these are the two things that we say we put up we put a lot of emphasis on these things. We want to call you to be engaged in the life of the church in these two specific ways. Secondly, uh, uh, in terms of responsibilities, is caring for others and, and praying for others. So I hear this all the time. People want to be known. People want to be known. And we live in a culture where knowing somebody is being uh, virtual friends with them. That is not knowing somebody. So when we talk about knowing somebody, we want our lives to be overlapping. We want to spend time in each other's houses. We want to care for one another. And, and in order to care for somebody, we have to know what's going on in someone's life. And, and that requires time and building trust. You, someone's not going to just open up and, and give of themselves, share the darkest parts of their heart unless there's some level of trust. And so um, care and prayer are two ways in which we want members here at Center Church to be engaged with Jesus' church. Third is living on mission. I know that this is one of those things, I, I feel like since we've launched Center Church that this is one of those things that's like turning a really big ship. 
Many of us come from contexts where living on mission was a foreign idea. Like, the idea of church is uh, it happens on Sunday morning, and you kind of put on a production and expect people just to kind of come there. And, and we, we want to do something very different in terms of how we function as a church. We, we want people to show up here because we've built relationships with non-Christians, and we've invited them into our lives, and this is part of our life. And so we, we want that to be a natural progression that happens. And, and in this, that they're encountering the good news of Jesus' forgiveness of our sins. That, that that would be part of the story that we share with people. And so whatever the spheres of influence that you have in your life, wherever it is that you live, that, that's a neighborhood where you have a sphere of influence. Wherever it is that you work, that's a sphere of influence that you have. Your family, your friends, these are spheres of influence where you have an opportunity to build relationship with people, to seek to convey the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And then the last one here, uh, and, and I should just say, like, there's other things, other uh, expectations that we would have, but I'm just trying to give a number of them um, that we, just so you guys are aware of these things. This is probably the most popular one. I, if we took a uh, a poll this last one would probably be the most popular uh, that there is a financial investment in it uh, jesus talks all the time about money right and to be invested in something means that your your money will be given there as well second uh, corinthians 8 and 9 chapters 8 and 9 i think talk in a really helpful way about money it, it gives kind of three, or Paul, as he's writing in that letter, he gives three um, marks of giving. He says, we should, as Christians, we should give to our churches generously, we should give joyfully, and we should give sacrificially. And, and that one that's in the middle, I think, really helps to bring balance. Because it, if it's something that we begrudge, then there's some aspect of the good news of Jesus that, that just hasn't sunk into a part of our heart. Like, the intention of us supporting the mission and the work of Jesus' church is supposed to induce joy in us. And so I love the fact, I love how Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 there, and, and he gives these marks of how our financial investment uh, will affect us, or just marks uh, as we give to the church what it should look like for us. Okay, so let me make this comment. When we think about responsibilities or expectations of members here at Center Church, what we are not trying to do is to lower the bar, okay? We're not trying to find the lowest common denominator so that we can then say, we have this many members and we've had this, this amount of people sign up. We're not trying to do that, okay? We're not trying to lower the bar because in that, what we would be doing is diminishing Jesus' work. If we're just trying to to put the, the bar as low as possible in that we will also suggest that what Jesus did was not that great, okay? We'll minimize his work that he's done for us. So what we want to do is we want to raise the bar. We want you to understand that this is a significant commitment, that, that this isn't something that we want to take lightly. But when you do, that you will find that there is a ton of privilege and joy in it. So, the way in which we're going to employ membership at Center Church uh, is what 
is called covenant membership. Covenant membership. And the idea in this is that membership isn't a one and done. So oftentimes, maybe you've been part of churches that have done this. So someone will become a member, and then it's like, I'm in. Like, I'm good. And that's it, right? And then you never talk about membership again. That, that's just kind of the end of the story. I feel that it is a disservice from a leadership perspective to hold the idea that once we've got you on our rolls, that now we can move on and try to get more people. I, I just don't think that that is good, healthy leadership at all. Participa or participation in membership at Center Church is a way of for you to say, I want to be led and cared for by the leadership. And so we want membership to be something that is considered in a meaningful way, not just the first time, but on an annual basis. And so when we talk about covenant membership, what we're saying is this is something that will be revisited at minimum annually. That someone is going to have to say, okay, this is what it means to be a member, and this is what I'm committing to. That, that there is an, a, an explicit commitment and reminder that's being that's go you are going through on an annual basis so we don't want this to just be something that you you're like you're in and then it just fades to the background and now we just kind of go on about our business we will want to utilize this in a way where it helps to shape shape how we go about doing church life and our hope then is that uh through the employment of church membership here that you will find there are meaningful privileges associated with being a member at Center Church. So let me just talk briefly about a few of these. The first one uh, probably will apply to some of you, uh, but not all of you. And that's the idea of assurance. So there's this reality that as we walk through the Christian life, we deal with sin that some of us struggle with, am I saved? Am I saved? And, and I'm not saying membership deals with this in a comprehensive and ultimate way, but it can help in this reality. To go through the membership process will be an opportunity for leadership to hear evidences of grace in your life and to then affirm those in your life. And it will also provide an opportunity to work through and examine areas of spiritual struggle. W what are those insecurities, those, those doubts that you wrestle with? Uh, for those of you who go through this process, it's an opportunity for us to do that. So uh, if you were to go through this process, this isn't something that we want to um, suggest as like a rubber stamp. It's just like, oh, I'm going to go through it, and then we're just going to give the rubber stamp. We want this to be a meaningful process. We, we want it to be beneficial and helpful for you, and also for us as leaders as well. So as we're walking down this road, I don't want you to get the picture that, that this is just like normal church membership and then it, it's just not a deal at all, like once we go through it. We want this to help shape the life of our church. Secondly, encouragement and accountability. Our hope is that you are engaging with a community that will support you in your faith journey and will point you to Jesus. Amidst all the weaknesses, the mess, the warts that come with you, that you will share those with others. You will share those things with others who've committed to walk with you. And in that, you will receive encouragement. You will receive 
accountability as you walk through the Christian life. And then lastly here, that you would be given spiritual protection and guidance as well. So our church is at a size where we're able to do some things that are different than other churches who are much bigger than us. And one of the things that we intend to uh, implement here at Center Church is that for those who are members and their families, that we would have a touch point one or two times of years as overseers where we can sit down with you and we can have a conversation for a number of hours and we can talk through how are you doing? What does this look like? And really get into the meat of your Christian walk and, and what that looks like within the context of your relationships, your family, and so forth. And, and not that it's only contained to those times, but that that could be a meaningful touch point that happens for us throughout the year. That we can hear from you and there, there can be kind of this healthy, ongoing dialogue that occurs uh, between us. In this whole idea of spiritual protection and guidance, overseers are charged with protecting, protecting the doctrine of the church and providing guidance for you as you walk through uh, life as a Christian. A and so uh, the reality is at times we see more clearly than others. And so to walk through a membership process, uh, hopefully that's a time where you're able to see more clearly knowing that you won't always see that clearly. But membership is a way of saying, maybe I don't feel it as much today, but I know that I need help. I know that there's going to be a day when I won't see as clearly, where I'm going to need someone to chase after me, to speak a hard word, to love me in a way um, that I don't, I don't see myself needing today. And uh, I, I find that uh, when we were at Hiawatha Church, so Hiawatha Church is a church that planted Center Church, and um, when we were there, we encountered, uh, so people would go through the membership process there, but there was a letter, someone, when they went through the application process, they had written as part of a letter as to why they wanted to become part or become a member at Hiawatha Church that I thought was just so great, profound and really honest, and it speaks to this idea of needing help at some point. I, I want to read this. It'll be on the screen, um, but I want to read this because I think this is really good. I not only want the privilege of association with Hiawatha, but the accountability that naturally comes with publicly representing the church as well. As sweet as the fellowship is when we're gathered together, it's all too easy to slip into a separate, more spiritually casual lifestyle outside of that gathering. So, although it is humbling in one sense, there is a calming, even energizing reassurance in knowing that a pastor, elder, or church leader of some kind will do more than just pray for me should I wander from the faith to any degree. With membership, I've essentially given those leaders the okay to physically track me down and direct me back to the love of my Savior. This is the accountability I know I need and therefore highly desire. So as overseers, uh, when we view ourselves in the role that we feel God's called us to, this is not something where we feel like we're just wanting to run around slinging Bibles and whacking people, okay? 
but this idea of chasing after somebody and reminding them, directing them back of the love of Jesus, that that is a great image of what we feel called to do as overseers. So membership is a way for us to be known, to ensure that we are cared for, and to provide care for others who've given themselves similarly to the spread of the gospel through Center Church. By becoming a member, you provide clarity for the overseers as to what expectations to hold and how to interact in certain situations. Now, this does not mean that non-members won't be cared for. We would never want to communicate that or assert that in any way. We care about everyone. But those who've committed to membership have given others a green light to care for them, to speak strongly into their lives, to pursue them when we feel that is needed. The reality is our context, and I mentioned this earlier, our context is one where we swim in consumerism. We like the, the idea of easy come and easy go and not having too many inconveniences. Church membership pushes against this. Church membership brings clarity. It allows us to say, when, when we go through that process, to say, I'm okay being inconvenienced. I am ready to sacrifice. But it also highlights that we are people who need help. So it's not just that we are giving, we are going to be needing to be given to at times as well. So we don't just embody the gospel, we need the gospel embodied for us as well. I mentioned earlier that there's this tendency in church membership to use it as another measuring stick. And for some of us, it might be another way to stand out, to get like extra credit from Jesus in some way. As with everything, we always need to get back to the root, to the basics. And I think we need to do that as it pertains to church membership as well. Why would we join a church? Why would we do that? Why would we put ourselves in a position where we know at some point we are going to be inconvenienced? Why love others sacrificially, sacrificially when there's a million other things to do? There's a, there's a ton of things you want to watch on Netflix. There's a ton of hobbies that you want to engage in. Why become a church member and love others sacrificially? And I think the answer is found in 1 John 4.19. We love because he first loved us. We love because Jesus first loved us. And this is our one and only gospel application point today. Jesus loves with explicit, intentional, sacrificial, lavish love. We'll never know the height nor the depth of Jesus' love for us. Jesus is intentional in the way that he has loved us. A and some of you might say, well, can I do that without being a member? And I think that's a legitimate question. And I would say, in part, yes. In part, you can do that. But membership is an intentional way for you to open yourself up and to expose yourself, to grow yourself, and to love others who have done similarly. Membership is a way in which we can embody the intentional, lavish love that Jesus 
has extended to us. And I think when we are part of a church, when we will attend regularly but not commit to the point of membership, I think if we will dig down deep, it will find that there, within our hesitation that there's some level of self-interest. There's some level of self-interest. But membership is an intentional giving of oneself to others. And I would say, not without plenty of benefits. Not without plenty of benefits. But membership is a way in which we can embody what Jesus has already done for us. Let's pray. God, ultimately, we need to be reminded of who you are and what you have done for us. This whole idea of church membership won't make a lot of sense outside of it. But when we understand who you are, when we understand the lengths that you have gone to love us, to care for us, to sacrifice your life on our behalf, then for us to enter into a relationship with others where we will image you, we will mirror things that you have done, it begins to make sense. And so God, as we walk down this road as a church, I pray that this would be something that would be a real gift to us as a church. I pray that it would be something that would help us to bind together in deeper ways, that we could be reassured of your love for us. And I pray that you would allow us in greater ways to live out the mission, to join you on the mission that you are already uh, walking in in this world. And so God, I pray that as we walk down this this path that you would guide our steps, you would lead us, uh, and, and you would lead us as a church, that we would be able to examine our hearts, to know who we are before you. We would understand in greater ways what you have done for us and how you have sacrificed for us. And as we think about that, as we think about your sacrifice in these moments that follow, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts the glory of who you are, the beauty of who you are, and the worthiness of being followed. So God, increase our faith in these moments. In your great name I pray. Amen.